Have you ever wondered, what's so special about that song? Have you asked yourself why you can't get that one song out of your head? Find out here, as my fellow musician and co-host, Didier Jonti, also known as A, and I, Dristan Solomon, also known as Drish, analyze and deconstruct your favorite Christian music. This is Noteworthy. Today on Noteworthy, we're analyzing a song that probably needs no introduction. This is Living Hope by Phil Wickham, written by Phil Wickham and Brian Johnson, and the song was released in 2018. Incredible song. Incredible song. If you haven't heard this song, actually stop this right now. (laughs) We're not even joking. Stop, go listen, take it in. There's a link on all of our social media pages that will direct you to a video of this song that you can listen to. Mm. It's the Phil Wickham version, and that's the one we'll be referring to yep. for the rest of the episode. Yeah, Great song. The songwriters are listed as Phil Wickham and Brian Johnson. Yeah, Do you want to tell us a little about them? Yeah. Um, Phil Wickham is a singer-songwriter with, in my opinion, the best voice in Christian music. Just one of the best voices ever, to be honest. Like, it's just Honestly. incredible. And his biggest song is This Is Amazing Grace, which is just like a... One of the songs that everyone knows. Yeah. Um, and Living Hope is starting to be one of those two. Yeah. Living Hope is from the album, also titled Living Hope. It came out in 2018, <laughs> like we said. And Brian Johnson, which is not to be confused with Brian Johnson from ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought they were the same person, so that's funny. Um, nice is the president and co-founder of Bethel Music. He's a senior overseer of Worship U, which is an online school of worship under Bethel Music that he started with his wife, Jen Johnson. He's also Bill Johnson's son. And Bill Johnson is the senior pastor of Bethel. That would make sense. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I, actually, I don't know. I, th- I I would assume that a lot of people know Bill Johnson. Really? I Literally, first time I heard is the same. Right. And that's usually the case with music people because I had heard of Brian Johnson um, before I'd ever heard of Bill Johnson. And I was like, oh, apparently Bill Johnson's a very well-known um, pastor. And I guess for musicians, we just know Brian Johnson because he's done a lot in our world. Did he plant Bethel Church? I believe so. Wow. But Brian Johnson has been one of the worship leaders at Bethel for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And something interesting that I found about the song is I, th- I believe it was written entirely over text messages. No. Yes. Incredible. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. What about the melody? Uh, I think they just sent voice notes, I believe. Oh, right. You can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I, I've watched this video where Phil, Phil, I, I'll call, I'm going to call him <laughs> Phil. Phil was talking about how him and Brian were texting each other. And um, I think Brian Johnson came to him with the idea of this melody. And Phil Wickham kind of took it and worked on it and sent him a text back. And then they just kept texting back and forth. And it took like weeks. Like they did like one verse this week. And then 
next week they did like focused on another worst and they were like oh let's do this court like it's kind of like a slow process interesting um, that's impressive but coming to the song uh what what is this song about and what is like the theme of this song funny thing is about this song is that i feel like it's a very not clear thing that it talks about i mean at least for me i was thinking what is living hope about but i couldn't figure it out until i like read the words hmm. i was like oh this is kind of like a song about the good news, like the restoration story of the gospel. Yeah. It's kind of like the end part of the gospel where Christ uh, has risen and now we have life through him. It's weird. Like the emotion of this song is worship, which is kind of like every song. But this is like truly like what worship is about, like thanking God for okay, like adoration. Yes, like. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So intro question mark. Yeah, I thought there were a lot more song worship songs with intros. We're slowly going more and more towards chords as the intro. Yeah, and I guess there kind of is a defined melody in the intro, at least in this in this version. But like, not not to the point where I would say, "Oh, this is the intro of the yeah, song." Gotcha. You know, because there's that that little thing which is like. Something something like that? You know what I'm talking about? Yes. It kind of is like an intro, but I don't think it's a very like well-defined intro. And the melody doesn't like really stand out or anything. Like it's more like chords, really. The focus is the chords. Yeah. Like you're right. So verse one goes, How great the chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope yeah my first thought listening to you say that and not even sing it Mm -hmm. is it's so poetic Mm. and i mean that in the sense of and we've talked about this in our episodes before but like the metrical rhythm of each word and each line, the way it just comes together mm-hmm. is so poetic. Yeah. And um, if you look at it closely, there's technically nine lines to the verse, uh, but it really is two groups of four um, from how great the chasm to and spoke your name into the night. And then the second group is from then through the darkness to the end is written. And Jesus Christ, my living hope is the, I guess, hook is what we would call it. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's so well written. Yeah. It's it's so poetic in nature. A lot of imagery, a lot of kind of like King of Kings to me. King of Kings is a song that we've analyzed previously. And yeah, the the words are so like there is so much in everything in every line. There's just mm. so much that they are saying. One thing that really adds to the song is the melody because the words are really great and but that melody is just so it's perfect. That melody mm. does tells the story and it, it 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 also supports the words so well with the rhythm. It has like a good consistency of the combination of eighth and quarter notes, which are like mm. 
if you count one, two, three, how great the chasm that lay between us, how high oh, wow. them. Yeah, it's so it's perfect. It's like the oh, same. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, and songs that are usually big, like for example, in "Perfect" by Ed Sheeran, there's that consistency of like eighth and quarter notes, where it's like all all the way through. I was like, we were just kids when we fell in love. Oh yeah. Right from mm-hmm. the, I don't know the words, no. and then <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then I know we'll be. Uh, right. Like it's like it's just very consistent all the way, and it's like a good combination of like you didn't have to force any words into like that didn't match them, and wow. it's perfect. It just it feels right to your brain. Like I wouldn't say it's like I would say that's kind of it. It is catchy, but it has like all the good elements of a good melody. Like it's catchy, it doesn't feel odd, it mm. flows and tells a story right. Like that melody is just literally perfect wow that that is so interesting Mm -hmm. i think that is like one of those things that when somebody tells you that that's happening in the song you just like appreciate it so much more yeah it's a perfect melody another thing that uh stood out to me was uh this tone painting that's going on on the line how high the mountain i could not climb tone painting also called Text painting sometimes is the way you use the melody to complement and add to the words. So, for example, uh, over here, the second line of the song is how high the mountain I could not climb. And the melody goes. So you have the melody rising up on the words how high the mountain, kind of like you would think of a mountain as something high. And what's also interesting is on the words I could not climb, the melody drops down, Mm. also symbolizing the I could not climb. Wow. I think when you write a good song, like you you also, you're not just purely thinking technically, you're thinking of the feel. And once you write in, in a feel, it just feels right to do this when you say this word. Yeah. I think it's one of those things. But these words are just... Mm -hmm. It's weird because there's a lot in each line, but it's not even like hard to understand what they're saying. It, I think a lot like, mm, I think these words are just perfect, like in terms of explaining what they are saying without saying it blatantly. Like how great the chasm that lay between us didn't say you and I were distant. Every line has such a picture of what they are saying. And picture is the right word because there's so much imagery. Because yeah. you have these these images, literally, of the chasm and how high the mountain and turned to heaven. Like even even saying something like, I turned to heaven, draws a picture in your mind of turning to heaven. Mm-hmm. And even something like, I spoke your name into the night. And you think of night. Night is another image-related word. Then you have the darkness. And then you have this line that I think is so strong. Tore through the shadows of my soul. What? Yeah. Like, tore through, you know? There's there's just strength in that. There's, like, power in that. It's just, it's a great story, too, because, it's like, the chasm between us. And then he turns to heaven and says, I spoke your name into the night. 
through the darkness, through the and mm-hmm. then through the shadows of my soul. It's like painting this dark yeah. image and it's saying you you are penetrating that. Um, right, right. And then you have the work is finished, the end is written, clearly a reference to Jesus' work on the cross when uh he said it is finished. And um the end is written also I guess kind of symbolizing that a recurring theme throughout the New Testament is that we have the victory in the end, you know, and uh, that's um, something that Phil Wickham was talking about in that interview, talking about how this song is kind of a song of victory and just feels like a song of victory right from the get go. So great verse one, we probably should move on because we yeah. could stay here talking about verse yeah, one seriously. for another 20 minutes, but we can't do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Between verse one and verse two, there's like a short little instrumental. Yes. And there's there's like this melody that's being played. Yeah. Especially on the piano. And it sounds something like this. Something along those lines. Yeah. And it sounds oddly similar to You're Beautiful, which is another Phil Wickham song. I remember the first time I heard this song, I think I was like, wait, I know that line. And then I heard it, I rewound it, I heard it again. I was like, I could not put a finger on it. And then I realized it's the O's from You're Beautiful. Yeah. Just just a fun fact. Just yeah. food for thought. <laughs> anyway. And then we still don't have a chorus technically after verse one in the hook. We go back, we go to verse two, which says... Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Now we're getting to what the song is about. Like, Because verse 1 was talking about this is where I was, and then this what you did. And then the rest of the song really is talking about, like, just the thankfulness of the song. Like, who could imagine so good a mercy? Like, it's just it really expounding on how, like, insane it is that God would do this for us. Um, the God of ages stepped down from glory to, wear, to mm. wear my sin and bear my shame. Not as much imagery. Well, actually... Yeah, it's still lots of images, mm-hmm. actually. Because like, words like imagine, you know, yeah. call you to imagine uh, boundless grace. Yeah. That's, that's a very strong word choice. God of ages stepped down from mm-hmm. glory. That's another image. There's just, there's so much imagery in this song and we're not even like halfway through it, you know. To wear my sin and bear my shame. Um, interesting, wear my sin. And mm-hmm. bear my shame. It's the same concept that Christ took our sin upon him, but another image, I guess, of wearing my sin and bearing my shame. And then you have this line that says, The cross has spoken, I am forgiven, which is personification, something that we haven't had the honor of discussing. That's true. In our few weeks here. And it's not even that much of it, really. It's just. A little half line of personification, which I feel like honestly is not very common in songs in general. The first thing I'm thinking of is this song that I actually sent you the other day called Bedroom Ceilings. The whole picture of that song is like 
the person is locked in the room and they're like, oh, I don't know if I should text this person, whatever. But like the only thing she has to talk to or have talked to her is the room that she's in. And she talks about how she talks to the moon and is saying, is your bedroom ceiling board like mine? Which is great line, by the way, just ah, putting that out there. <laughs> but it's like, it's amazing how much you can say by just giving a human function to an object. Yeah, and that's exactly what personification is. And over here, like saying the cross has spoken, I am forgiven. I mean, of course, the cross doesn't literally speak. You know, it's also like in that way, kind of a metaphor for like the cross has spoken really means Jesus's work on the cross has spoken. I am forgiven. But using that device, which it's one of those songwriting devices that people use this from time to time. And it's a really good way of saying something that has been said before, but saying it differently. But beautiful savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Again, kind of like last week when we talked about Beautiful Father, it says beautiful Savior here. Mm, good word choice. Yeah. And then we get into the chorus, which is just, Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. We kind of take a break from all of that pictures, all of those yeah. pictures, and just praise God, literally, like <laughs> literally saying, praise God. <laughs> who set me free, praise God. Death has lost its grip on me. Another picture, but just... Actually, there are two pictures. The death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. Um, there's salvation in your name, which is not like a picture, more mm -hmm. like an abstract concept. Yeah. And then the hook. It's interesting. We say, we keep calling it the hook, and the hook of a song is really... It's called a hook because it kind of... Brings you back. Yeah, it always like hooks everything back almost. Mm. And I mean, here, like Phil Wickham and Brian Johnson do this so well because the end of verse one, Jesus Christ, my living hope. End of verse two, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Chorus, Jesus Christ, my living hope. You yeah. know, it really keeps that central idea. And that comes from First Peter Chapter 1, verse 3, which is, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So really, like, keeping that central theme, you know, of having that living hope in Christ. Yeah. I think they do it really well. Although, when I think we've said, Hallelujah, praise God, during the chorus, and then we say, Jesus Christ, my living hope, and I think, wait, why? Like, it's just... Like why living? Why the word living hope or the words living hope? Like I would think they would be talking more about what it means to be a living hope. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, like it's just kind of out of nowhere almost. That's true, and it is interesting. I think Phil Wickham was talking about this in uh, something else. I think I read or a video I watched, but. He was talking about the idea of living hope and why they call the song living hope, why the line is in there. And I think he said, well, he was kind of explaining what biblical hope means. And it's interesting because biblical hope isn't necessarily like a wish, you know, like when I think he gave an example of like a child, when a child is like, oh, I hope I get this gift for Christmas or something like that. It's kind of like a wish, but from a, in a biblical context, 
the hope is really more of a waiting. Mm. It's not it's not as much of a if but a when. Mm. Like I hope, but like not like a wish like you said, not like a wishful hope. It's like a like I know this is gonna happen. Right. It's because I mean our hope isn't in humans, you know, it's not in man. It's not in something that is like fleeting, but our hope is in like a God who is always faithful to his word. So when you, when, when the line says there's salvation in your name, that is a certain fact that there is salvation in his name. And when you say like Jesus Christ, my living hope, it's almost like he is our living hope. Like he is, first of all, like he's alive and that like they expand on that more in verse three, Mm. of course, which we'll get to, but yes, he's alive, but also hope, you know, we await the time when we're going to be like, our salvation will be complete in the sense of like, we'll be perfectly like sanctified and conformed to the image of uh, Jesus himself and we'll be in heaven forever. And that's like kind of what the hope is. And I see what you're saying. I don't think they really explained that, you know, to its fullest extent, Um, at least not yet. But so it is interesting to note that. But then we get to verse three, which is kind of like a bridge. Kind of. Well, it's the same melody as the verses, but it feels mm-hmm. like a bridge because it builds. It builds. <laughs> then came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Ooh. Out of the silence, <laughs> the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. And then they say that again. And mm-hmm. then Jesus yours is the victory. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of why verse 3, like, it kind of feels like a bridge. Although, I guess they call it verse 3 because that melody is very similar. Yeah, it's the same, but it doesn't have that little section of... Like the second halves. Yeah, the second half. Um, It's like half of the verse, and then... Mm -hmm. And then something very interesting melodically happens in this verse 3 slash bridge kind of thing. They do the melody normally, but then... It's done twice. And when he says, your buried body began to breathe, he goes up in the melody. Because normally it's, uh, your buried body began to breathe. But the second time he says, your buried body began to breathe. And then the next line is, out of the silence, the roaring yeah. lion. which and is the, the same melody, but an octave. Yeah, higher. which is yeah. the same melody as normally, but an octave higher. But in the record... I guess normal version, non-live technically version. He just says, your very body began to breathe. Well, mm, before, where in the live version, down. he goes, your very body began to breathe. Yeah. He doesn't go up the octave in the normal version. He just goes back down. Uh, it like and says, out of the silence, the roaring lion. Where in the live version, he just does all of the second half of that verse up the octave it's amazing on the studio version i guess he jumps the octave only on the last line yes which is jesus yours is the victory which is a good place to jump the octave Mm -hmm. but i get what you're saying because when you're singing in live the energy starts building earlier than the melody wants to and that's Mm. probably because the words on that verse are like then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe like (laughs) <laughs> Once you're there, you're al- you already want to scream it. Yes. You, know? you don't want to you don't want to sing it down, and you're like you don't want to sing it low in your voice, which is where the melody lies. Yes, it almost feels 
Like you have to try and sing it lower, yeah. which is something crazy. Like words are making you want to sing it higher. Mm-hmm. If you were humming it, the melody would want to go down normally. But when you yeah. say those words with it, which is, I think, also one of the best lines ever, your buried body began to breathe. That's It's good. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because that's a really interesting thing. And I noticed that like while I was leading the song a couple of times last year, uh, while I was at camp and firstly it's camp you know so there's like already more energy and by the time we're at that verse three it's so hard to do it's hard to figure out like how to like keep that low or like jump but then like if you sing it higher it's really high yeah so it's like a, it's an interesting like thing but it's it's something to like think about and something to like try and figure out like especially if you're a worship leader and you're like doing the song there's like different ways to do it. And I don't think there's necessarily like, oh, here's the right way. Yeah. But like, especially like depending on your congregation, depending on like who is singing. And like another interesting thing is that Bethel has a version that is split between male and female vocals. And that actually makes a lot of difference to how you hear the song Mm. and how the energy builds in the song as well. And Although we're talking about like the Phil Wickham version, but there is a lot of value in the Bethel version, especially for congregations. If you have a male singer and a female singer, I think that like, in my opinion, the Bethel version is a superior version for congregational worship. However, Phil Wickham is just Phil Wickham. Just, you can't get over his voice, you know? So there's that. That makes sense. It's a brilliant melody that honestly allows you to shape it however is best for mm-hmm. your context. Yeah, and then Jesus, yours is the victory. That's just, I mean, really the heart of that verse, at least. And then you go back into the chorus, and it's the same words. Um, but it is interesting to note that when you sing verses 1 and 2, and you sing that chorus, there's a different emotion. And when you sing verse 3, and then you sing that chorus... It's a whole other emotion. Wow. Yes. That's you, you know true. what I'm saying? Yeah. Because, like, you're coming now from a place of victory. You know, you're coming from a place of, like, we've been, ta- we're talking about the resurrected, like, yeah. Savior. You know, like, yeah. hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Like, death has lost its grip on me. And you're like, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> now, I'm, now it hits home a little more. Yeah. And yeah. tears through the shadows of your soul a little bit more. Yes, uh, it really does. Nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, and that's mm. the entire song, really. What makes this song noteworthy for you? I think there's so much in this song that makes it noteworthy, honestly. Like, from the imagery to... Um, the melody of the song and just the depth of the lyrics, um, all of that really just adds up to make it a very noteworthy song. But I think, I think I will have to say that the chorus is probably what does it for me. I think that chorus is a very strong chorus. It's just so easy to sing and so catchy and, uh, and easy to sing doesn't mean a bad thing. It just like, it's, and especially not this chorus. It's not like a, oh, it's so easy to sing because the melody is so simple. It's not really that simple, quote-unquote, like, quote-unquote simple. It's like there is, like, some, there's substance to it, you know? There's movement, but it's just such a strong chorus. And those words, like, 
it's just a very like concise to the point chorus and i i was thinking about this like when we decided to do living hope for this week i was like okay i feel like it'll be a little like eh, because you know it's been a couple years since the song has been out and like especially for like ua and like me like we've heard the song so many times like at school and like at church and stuff like that but i watched the video and listened to it again and i was like yeah I really think this is going to be one of those like timeless songs which is so. this song is so good and like kind of what proves that too is like on spotify for example which is not like a good thing to just say this is a good song and like how many streams it has but phil wickham's biggest song is this is amazing grace which has like 68 million streams which is a lot Whoa. but wow. that song has been here since 2014 and living oh. hope has 42 million streams but it's only been here since 2018. So, mm, and that's not counting the Bethel version. Yeah. And the other Bethel version and the other versions that are there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. this song just by itself is just doing better, even though it has less streams. What about you? For me, the melody really does it of the whole song, really. It just yeah. tells the story so well. Um, yeah. Especially because for me, it takes a while for me to understand what the words mean. Like the melody keeps me in, like the whole time. It's you. It's memorable. Also, verse three is just incredible. Yeah, verse three is so good. It's a timeless song. I'm telling you. That's a good. It's a good word. If you like this song or found something interesting about it that you want to share with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at noteworthy.thepodcast and comment on our posts about this episode. We want to hear from you. Let us know which song you'd like us to analyze next. Thanks for listening.